I'm not even going to check the level today. What could possibly go wrong? I know. I oh. love how there's a, this like, constant critique about how my microphone's better than yours. <laughs> yeah, like... I noticed that. Actually, I was just looking at where you put yours compared to where I put mine to see if there's... But then I've got to, like, <laughs> I'll just turn it around. Maybe we, yeah, actually, maybe, oh, look, who knows? If, if, you, if you're up to episode 23 of this podcast, you, you know care. we've got no idea about the audio. Come on. Um, hi, everybody. Hello. Oh, we're, we're away, are we? Aren't we? Yeah, yeah, we're rolling. Um... How are you, love? Oh, I'm okay. I'm all right, thanks. I brought you some little treats. I saw that. Now, I wasn't going to mention anything straight away, but now that you have, I'm just going to rip open this bag. Is just that a slice. Let is me that tell a you slice? What it is a slice. It's a slice. It is a lemon butter almond slice from the Women's I love, Weekly. I love uh, when butter is mentioned as an ingredient. Like, what does that tell you about? Because, like, everything's got butter that anyway. Butter. But when you've actually listed it on the, um, on the head note, it tells me that that's at least 30% butter. Um, I couldn't tell you in percentage terms, but I can tell you the entire slice, which was in a tin of maybe 25 centimetres by 25 centimetres, had 500 grams of butter. get out. Yeah, it's just, that's basically straight butter. So it's an ingredient. I've just grabbed myself one out of the bag, and I haven't even grabbed one for you, because (laughs) I'm confident that you can take care of yourself. I've already eaten about 15 of them, so it's okay. And we're away. Oh, first interruption. Yes, what's up? Fair enough. Here you go. There's some water. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Oh, no. You're all right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, a couple of stories from this. You know when you clean the oven with that? Oh, my God, that's... Hi, I'm... (laughs) I'm butter. Hi, I'm buttery. I'm wearing a lemon scarf, but I'm mainly butter. <laughs> Sorry, to wow, that's outrageous. You know when you clean the oven with that really, when you do a proper oven clean with that toxic stuff that you mm. have to wear gloves? Or you're going to tell me you make some homemade bicarb, completely untoxic, don't you? How you loathe me. <laughs> no, I use, you know, actually I put this oven, I bought it because... Um, my old oven was so loud that when we were filming Kitchen Cabinet in my kitchen, it really interfered with the filming, like, oh. because it was this weird old cranky thing that even if you turned it off, it continued to make really loud whirring, clanking sounds for about <laughs> 25 minutes. And so our filming day would be like 17 hours long as we'd have to keep waiting for the oven to calm down. <laughs> so I bought a new one and it's got one of those things where you don't clean it. Like you just oh. press a button and it does this... I assume even more toxic for the environment thing where it kind of superheats and creates just kind of death and ashes inside. Some sort of nuclear... For like an hour and a half and you can't open it during that time. And there's something like there's... So you you never have to clean your oven. You're living the dream. Right, and so then like two hours later when it finally unlocks itself, you just open it up, wait for it to... Well, you wait for it to cool, open it up and then you just... Wipe it out and, with a sponge. And bluebirds fly out. Correct. <laughs> anyway, um, sorry. Well, so I cleaned my oven and then la- this batch of lemon slice mm. was the first thing that got cooked in there. And I noticed then when you turn the heat of the oven on, that disgusting toxic smell mm. starts wafting. And it made me think, I, assi- I, mean, I went and looked at the tin. I assume that stuff's not poisonous after you've already what? wiped it out. <laughs> I assume that stuff's not poisonous. That ought to be written no, on your uh, headstone, friend. <laughs> oven cleaner, how poisonous could that be? <laughs> no, but I looked at the thing. I know it's poisonous when you're actually using I know, it. But the but stink, yeah, the yeah. stink. It's it's not. Look, it's not confidence inspiring, and, and 
I'm really pleased that you've bought this cake to me. <laughs> well, that's why I, I was going to give some to Mark Scott, but I thought <laughs> that's why I had to eat some before I gave it to you, just to check that it didn't taste oh, like oven it's cleaner. But delicious. Okay, totally you. right. So um, now the um, other question I have about this recipe. Okay, but I haven't quite let go of what we were just talking about oven um, cleaning because I know our listeners would be so into this. Oh, God, it's gone. Sorry. Um, Proceed. Oh no, no. I was just going to say, were you cleaning your oven because your house was for sale? Yes. Yeah. Only time it's ever been cleaned. And, um, and it was a bugger of a job because I'd left mm. it so long. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> was that weird when, they, when it got reported? Because <laughs> I read that story and just went, and there's this line in there about <laughs> this like, real estate agent saying, you know what, it's an absolute tribute to the preparation that they did on that house. And I'm thinking... Do you know what made me laugh more? There was a story about it saying um, something like, you know, sales when it first was on the market, my house. For anyone that doesn't know, I just sold my house. It said, it, you know, sales Anyone clearly. As to her exact address. <laughs> yeah, to, um, right. Just look Google it, up. it. Um, it said something like, sales clearly knows a thing or two about interior decorating. And I just laughed so hard because I moved out of the Enough house. Enough to call some guy who knows exactly, how to do it. Exactly. Mm. I took out all of my own stuff except for the books on the shelf and a couple of paintings and brought in the professionals. That's the sum total of what I know about interior you design. You know, there is someone out there who's just dropped a bomb on buying your house so as to inherit your personal sense of style and is now just uh, <laughs> well, hilariously, horribly embarrassed. My friends George and Derek came for a sticky beak after the styling of it had finished and um, I said to Derek, because it had landed in the paper and I was a little sort of upset about that, and I said to Derek, oh, I feel a bit now like, you know, people are just going to come who don't really want to buy it but they just want to have a sticky beak at where I live. And Derek looked around at the pristine new look of the house and said, honey, since you've moved your stuff out of here and since it's been professionally styled, I don't see any evidence of your personality here at all. <laughs> so that was very funny. Well, all's well that ends well then, exactly. hey? Exactly. <laughs> um, so, but anyway, back to the slice. So tell me about this, right? Mm. So it's in the Women's Weekly Best Ever Recipes cookbook. Right. It, the lemon butter component yep. I'm talking about mm -hmm. calls for four eggs, lightly beaten, comma, strained. Hey. Eh? That's what I said. Anyway, so I thought, strained, eh? So <laughs> I then just thought, stuff that. So I chucked it all in. Mm. You have to be really careful, obviously, with lemon butter to mm. not um, boil it because yeah. it'll curl. Yeah. But then I did have floating bits of egg white in it that I had to then sort of huh. get out. I've, I've heard of straining lemon curd at the end. Yeah, but not earlier. I think straining an and egg would seem a little odd. I tried to strain one of them and then it just didn't work. I hope you captured that on video. <laughs> <laughs> but then what I did was I went to another Women's Weekly cookbook because I'd made some little lemon curd... Um, sorry, I've been drinking Coke here. I'm going to burp now. Um, some lemon curd cupcakes... And, of course, lemon curd calls for egg yolks, not whole eggs strained. Mm. So thank you, Women's Weekly, for your contradictory advice of two no, separate cookbooks. You really have to shop around for lemon curd recipes. You've got to find one that you're happy with because they really do um, vary quite a bit. Mm. And I had always I always, had always thought that things that you do with eggs have to be terribly precise. And maybe I was just thinking about meringue and pavlova and stuff. But, wow, your curd, there's people with, like, eggs whole eggs, there's people with just egg yolks. It's like custard and stuff, yeah. you know. It's just sort of whatever floats your boat. Well, anyone listening, if you have actually strained an egg successfully, can you just drop us a tweet and tell us what that process involves? When we, when I did um, Kitchen Cabinet at Dick Adams's house, he's the former Labor um, member for Lions from uh, Tasmania, 
uh, he made some sort of what did he make? He made it like a six foot salmon, um, a fish kind of kettle for which he had personally had made on some local um, uh, sort of iron munger or something. And um, he made a hollandaise sauce that needed ten egg yolks. And he had one of those little, you know, yolk separator things. It's, oh, it's yeah. like a little, it's like a little tea strainer, but it's just got sort of quite like much bigger holes. Oh. You know? And this labour-saving device must have prolonged the egg separation um, <laughs> process by about an hour and a half. Like, <laughs> it's one of our little jokes on the show. It's like it's the longest sequence we've ever filmed. Wow. Um, Dick Adams separating ten eggs with this miracle <laughs> egg separator. By the end of it, you just want the universe to end. <laughs> Kitchen devices that are genuine time savers, and then some like that that I just think, you think you know. wow. One that I have that I get used a lot is a plain zester. Oh yeah, I love a plain Gold. zester. That and that sort yep. of. <laughs> you never look back once you've got a plain zester. We're just like privileged, you know. I've yeah. never zested a, a light plane, but. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to us, like oh yes, since I got a light plane zester, I've changed my what life. What we really right. need is a morning television show. You know that, don't you? <laughs> That would be so much but fun. But we can advertise some. We just, yeah. Do you know what I'd like? The incredible like? mole, and that vacuum cleaner that picks up bowling balls. Actually, the house that I've been house-sitting while I had to move out of mine had this amazing vacuum cleaner thing that was, like, it sort of was stuck on the wall charging most of the time, and then you just pulled it off when you needed it. Is it like a dust buster? Sort like of. A, sort of know. small? Or? Yeah, sort of smallish, but it was. I found it that really useful. That's the great thing about just <laughs> See, we're there already. <laughs> we're there already. All we need is Larry, Larry Emder, and we're away. Don't you reckon? <laughs> Absolutely. The other great thing about house sitting in someone's house is you get to use a heap of stuff that's not yours, and so you can decide, oh, this is a good fry pan. Oh, yeah, that's so, good. You know, yeah. That was quite handy. As long as you haven't taken off with any of it. That's, no, that's I just took a few notes on what I liked. Um, the other thing, I wonder if you've got one, because I've often looked at them longingly, but it's just, again, such an unnecessary purchase. You know those salad spinner things? It's got like the old style lawnmower with the zzzz thing. I would you... not be without one. Yeah, I, I reckon they are good. like they are t- They are space hungry, mm. but there is nothing like a salad that's been spun. <laughs> yeah. you, just, you don't get any of that kind of big drops of water just really messing up with your dressing. Yeah. I, and your dressing really clings a lot better to uh, <coughs> a dry leaf. I think um, a well-dressed salad demands a salad spinner. <laughs> All right, well, I'll have to look into one of those. I also years ago bought a good ice cream scoop that's got some sort of liquid something in it that you shake it, and then it just goes through the ice cream like soft butter. Wow. Yeah, I, got I it have in the not US. heard of that. Yeah, you can't put it in the dishwasher. I made ice cream in a hotel room the other night, personal first. How did you do that? Well, uh, I um, we were filming in Canberra um, with a couple of unnamed politicians, let's just call them, I don't know, Christopher Pine and Anthony Albanese. <laughs> <laughs> and I was making a banana split. And um, so, hang on. Let me get this right. You were in a hotel room with Anthony Albanese and no, they weren't Pine there. This, this, ice is, cream. this is me in my hotel room this is on really the evening kinky. before the oh, yes. Otherwise, it would just see. sound like the beginning to a really quite adult joke. <laughs> um, and uh, I, uh, we sort of got together in Canberra, um, me and the kitchen cabinet crew, and um, the crew very kindly brought my ice cream machine from um, Sydney, so I just uh, dialed it up. I did all the whisking and mixing and stuff like that and then poured it into the ice cream machine and uh, half an hour later... And what sort of ice look, cream Look, Lee, I'd it? really swear by the ice cream machine. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's like taking the dairy goods that step 
further, you know. And what could be more gorgeous than when friends drop in, serving them up a dish of freshly made ice cream? Look, chat ten. Call now. Brought to you by ice cream makers. Um, I. That's the one. Well, not the one. There's a few things I refuse to get. That's one of them. I feel like it just takes up so much room. You can buy pretty good ice cream too. That's true, but you can't experiment with bought ice cream the way that you can with. I've got a recipe for burned honey ice cream. Mm. Um, well, actually, that's not true. There, there are many recipes for burned honey ice cream. I've used several of them, and um, it's just that you cannot get a more delicious ice cream, I reckon, mm. than the burned honey that flavor. It's not good. widely commercially available, but cheese it's easier to make when you've got an ice cream <laughs> machine. Um, one more thing on the cooking front. Um, I went and launched a book. Uh, in Adelaide last weekend called The Calendar of Cakes, which is the South Australian Country Women's Association cookbook. Oh, excellent. And there's a very good slice in there that's made with sayo biscuits. Not the sort of thing you'd oh. necessarily stop and try. It? It's sort of an almond, coconutty kind of oh. apricotty thing. Mm. Delish. Very nice. Um, a couple of days ago, unrelated to that excellent cookbook, um, I uh, made a no-bake lemon slice, like your full classic crunched up biscuits, condensed mm. milk, butter, um, and then uh, and lots of lemon rind, and then just a plain lemon icing on top. And I haven't had one of those for a while, but, mm. geez, I've forgotten how good, good those are. Sounds delicious. Mm. Hey, speaking of cookbooks, your new cookbook landed on my desk. The publisher sent me a copy. <laughs> yeah, and I see you posted a very amusing photograph of yourself throwing it out, which is obviously <laughs> very touching. I put it in the bin and tweeted something like, Guess you know from the chat ten account. Guess Lee's finished with Animal Spook. <laughs> oh, 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 I found it very amusing. Yes. I wonder if everyone in the office was thinking, "What is Salzy doing, yeah. photographing her own bin?" She's changed. Mm, exactly. Anyway, it looks fantastic. The photos look beautiful. Yes, well, I told you at the time. The photographs are looking very good. It's amazing how restorative it is for your own food to have a trained professional photographer in oh, this light. It just was really. Yeah, it was very satisfying to read, actually, so I can't There's imagine. There's a lot of text in there. Mm. Well, and also just I found it just having heard about you talk about the process of doing it quite exciting and fun to see the finished product. I can't even imagine what you and Wendy thought when you got it. It must be fantastic. Well, it's always, um, look, it's a very good lesson in the importance of working with others because people who are better at things than you are will always make your product look nicer. Yeah, right. Like if I write a kind of long-form um, textbook, and I read, like, you know, a, a book that's all text, and I read it, and I just think, oh, that's just awful because I did all of that. But then if you um, work with some people who are talented in their field, you go, that was great. Nothing to do with me because those photographs look fantastic. And that, that, then that pie was styled by a stylist. Well, I so, noticed even the first thing I went hunting for was the photograph of the food where I had taken a piece off the plate. <laughs> There's that problem with a bit of a hole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Keep your eye out, people, for the <laughs> plate of profiteroles where there's a suspicious gap on one side. No, but I would really recommend having somebody, you know, um, look after style and photograph your food because it really just looks a million bucks. Yeah, excellent. In stores now. Well, not quite now, but... Yeah, when soon. is it actually at? Uh, end of the month. Are you having a launch or something or just... I think there's also I think there's 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 kind of a whole schedule of various events and things which I haven't quite cracked open and had a look at yet because I'm a bit frightened. Just going to get everything else done first. But um, I think enough. there's there's a few things in in a few different 
places, cities and stuff. Speaking of throwing your book in the bin, jokingly, <coughs> yes. I have started the nope. process of what books are going from my current house to my new house. Mm -hmm. I've started a bit of a cull. Mm. I'm trying to be quite ruthless. Yeah, I've been hearing from your husband on the side, actually. <laughs> in fact, I had a very, very funny uh, text message from him um, not long ago, which just made me actually lie on the ground laughing. Let me find it. I While actually... you find that, I'll yeah. tell you, <clears throat> the bar. here's an example of the bar for something that I keep. Uh, there's a copy of Black Beauty inscribed to Anne, love mum, 1964. To, that's my mother from her grandmother. Oh. Kept that one. See, this is part <laughs> of the Lee Sales does have a heart. <laughs> that's a pretty high bar, though. Mm-hmm. Here you go. Oh, well, that was the only book I kept. No, oh, I'm joking, I'm joking. I kept some others too. But I did, uh, yeah, I have been pretty, you know, I have been pretty ruthless because I don't have any space really in the new place. It's, oh, so no big bookshelves? There's no bookshelves currently in there and there's, oh, it's a big, part of it's just a big sort of open. You know how the fashion for houses now is you have your living and your dining and your kitchen all in one big open thing? So there's right. not a lot of walls actually. Oh, so, right. Oh, you yeah. need walls. I know. I'm not going to do it. you in. Yeah, you'll be right. <laughs> Um, so I can't quite find this text message. I can only find half the exchange. But um, I got a message from your husband about a week and a half ago saying, hey, uh, yeah, crap, have you uh, by any chance got a copy of Lee's book? <laughs> and I thought it was a trick question, you know. He was needing a copy of Detainee 002. And I said, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I've got one around somewhere, but I wasn't at home at the time. I said, oh, how come? And he said, Oh, look, it's the stupidest thing. Um, I, uh, I actually need the book for a paper that I'm writing. <laughs> like, he needed your book for an independent research purpose <laughs> and was unable to find it at your house. The suspicion being that you, in the ultimate statement of your own ruthlessness, have binned your own book. <laughs> I want further details about this. I just, I just, oh my God, laugh. I, I yeah. It was a highly uh, poignant and amusing <laughs> moment for me. Now I want to hear your side of it. Why don't you have Look, a after your own book? Phil returned with a library edition of my yes. book. Um, we kept in close touch. My last message from him on this subject is, uh, stop looking. I have a copy from the UNSW library. I had to go in anyway, so it wasn't a wasted trip. <laughs> Um, I would have sworn that I did have a copy of my own book, so I went looking on the bookshelf, yep. but I couldn't find it, which leads me to believe that maybe I did accidentally recycle it, but I know that I have some copies in my office. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's okay. But right. it's not like, you know, you don't want to set up a little shrine in your own house to your own book. I've got a couple of books of mine that I have many copies of, <laughs> just because they're just still available. So. They're, they're just like yeah, the world's they, worth birthday present. They're not front and centre on your bookshelf with little candles. No, that's not anything, true. No. So, um, that, that's where your book is. Because <laughs> I respect you. Um, you told me my books were in the room of shame at your house. Uh, with the will narrow Smith it down. The... <laughs> <laughs> that's right. God, you've got a good memory for my meanness, haven't you? <laughs> anyway, thank you for that because it amused me no end. Oh, I'm glad it did. Mm. Um, what are you reading at the moment? I'm reading because I'm always about two years behind the action, I'm reading The Sense of an Ending by Julia Bar Julian Barnes. Oh, yeah, I never read that. Mm. Yeah. It's great. It does that total typical Barnes thing where um, I mean, the, the, the narrator is a guy who's kind of relating 
um, the tedium of his life. You know, it's it's a brilliant kind of chronology. It's about sort of friends that meet at university and this guy has a girlfriend at university that they break up very quickly but he remains kind of connected to her um, thanks to a series of events. But, I mean, as this guy sets out his qualifications to be a narrator, it's really explaining that he's had a really almost entirely uneventful life, you know. And it's it's really only people like Julian Barnes that can do that and still not make you put the book down. <laughs> like, it's actually a really, really readable book. And um, But it's, I don't know, it's this sort of study of Englishness, I suppose, that um, that I find so funny and interesting about those writers. It's like, to go back to Ian McEwan, as we do reasonably regularly, um, his book On Chesil Beach, which is this sort of absolutely gripping and agonising account of of nothing happening awkwardly between two people. Do you know? It's, yeah. just, it's uh, quite an art form, isn't it? It's it such is. a pommy thing, too. There's two books that I quite liked that are like that. One's The Stone Diaries by Carol Shields, and another one is called Stoner, and I can't think now of the oh, name. Oh, I just picked that up, actually. I haven't oh, read it yet. Is it good? Wonderful. I know, somebody sent it to me, I think. It's, it's, on, my, it's, on, it's on my next-to-go pile. Can you remember the name of the author? No. Like um, um, Stoner, Stoner, it's, Stoner. It's I was about to Google it, but I'll just get lots of bongs or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I exactly. just, like, you know, it's a, it's the home stoner. Oh, hang last on a year or the year before, it was written years ago, like 50 years yeah. ago, but it became flavour of the minute all of a sudden it was yeah. rediscovered. And it's basically a guy who has a very ordinary life, nothing to write home about, yeah. but it's just gripping and, oh, man, it was really, really amazing. I loved it. Great. Well, that is very... John Edward Williams? John Williams. Yes. Okay. Originally um, published 1965. Yeah. I'm just consulting my photographic memory <laughs> slash <laughs> a handheld device. Um, oh, good. Oh, I'm... I'm Doubly excited about that now. Yeah, no, I recommend that. It was one of my favourite books of last year, actually. Do you know what? There's so many things on TV at the moment that I've been wanting to watch, and I just don't have any time. So I watched Zippity Doodah TV. Oh, okay, I was going to ask if you'd watched any of them. No, I've been I've been off the telly. I'm sorry. Um, Well, three great things are starting this week, all of which I'd like to watch. One is the ex Prime Minister. Oh yeah, Sean McAuliffe's new show. Just that, just the publicity shot for that show of McAuliffe, like sort of. Glancing with mad eyes out of the window of his car—it's just so. He's such an uh, such a great physical comedian. He really is. Yeah. I think it's a great idea for a show too, mm. like the premise of what happens, you know, after you have been the prime minister and adjusting to normal life. And there's the beautiful lie, which is starting on the ABC, yep. which is that's the Anna Karenina yes. rip-off, right? Yeah, yeah. Or well, not rip-off, but inspired by. <laughs> um, and as told to the ABC. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Another, um, you know, we're talking about people ripping off Chekhov. Yeah. Another sort of rich Russian sort of. Um, I don't think it's quite cool to use the there. term ripping off anymore. No, it's not just, ripping you know, off. Um, um, it's, uh, it's just it's it's like, bedazzling. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> very bedazzling. <laughs> bedazzling. <laughs> Don't say bedazzling. God, you always just take it one to step too far. And also, um, please like me, which I love. Oh yeah. Look, oh, I didn't yeah. quite watch the first series, and I know that makes me the world's greatest idiot. Um, so I'm actually looking forward to just ploughing straight into that and getting like yeah. straight. Yeah. Um, I forgot to say that I've also been reading back through the back. I'm just sort of thinking about physical comedy and stuff, and um, I've been reading through uh, the quite considerable um, works of memoir by uh, Stephen Fry. Oh, yeah. It's pretty amazing when you get to the sort of like roughly half-century stage and you've already knocked out three volumes of autobiography. Incredible. His first volume um, goes up to when he's about 13, but, of course, just the most 
fascinating life. Yeah. This guy, you know? I've read one of them, which I put in the recycling pile, the yeah. Fry Chronicles or something or other. But really, really great memoir. But that's it I've read one that I binned. It's so great. <laughs> it's so great that I put it in the, the green waste. The yardstick is, do I need this book in my house 100% of the time? And how hard is this book to find otherwise? So you talk to the ham because the face ain't listening. <laughs> I've um, got like a, a detailed algorithm of having. I know. I know, love. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of that bloke. Um, it's his name. I don't know how you pronounce it. Something like Carl Overd Nalsgaard, who's some Norwegian. <gasps> oh of right, yeah. yeah. Helen Garner loves him. Yeah. James Button loves him, and he's writing. There's a six-volume memoir of his life. I think he's about forty or something. Right. It's the most outrageously. Um, cheeky thing to do yeah. but it's, it's also just a complete smash hit isn't it it's massive yeah. and i've read about half of the first one the detail is extraordinary that it makes and i'm sure if i google it i'll find that this argument has been had you know endlessly yeah. but you keep thinking well how can this be non-fiction because there's no you know just borrow clive james's phrase unreliable memoirs i mean how can you possibly be furnishing your six-year-old recollections with yeah. this much detail um, so yeah, sort of to me, it raises an interesting question of the blurring between fact and fiction. So is the so is the <laughs> is the what ca- what actually explains the appeal of the writing to you? Having read it, I haven't read any of it. So what is it? Is it is it the like, style of the writing, or is it is it is it an incredible story? No, it's it... the style of the writing. It's like what you were saying about Julian Barnes and Ian McEwan. Like there's not a great deal happening, and it's just garden variety anecdotes. But you know how some people just make garden variety anecdotes fantastically yeah, fun yeah. and interesting. Yeah. So it's just a string of of things like that that paint quite a rich picture of this person's upbringing. So, um, but it's not like there's any particularly you know, from memory, uh, it's not it's not a story where there's an amazing twist or some yeah. really weird circumstances. Huh. So, yeah. And it goes on and on for volumes and volumes. Yeah, and even though I often don't enjoy books translated from a foreign language because I feel like, you know... Because you're racist. Because <laughs> they can be a bit dense. But um, it actually reads, you know, really, really well too. So, uh, yeah, I've been really quite enjoying that. I'm reading a book at the mm-hmm. moment called The Whites by Richard Price, which is meant to be the greatest US crime novel in a really long time. Um, And there's two sorts of thrillers, you know, in this genre out there. One of them is the style where it's almost a bit more CIA-based. It's really clever people. You're in and out of the Prime Minister, the Prime Minister, the Vice President's office and the CIA Director's office, and there'll be some young, hot dude who's graduated from Oxford and been recruited to the CIA or whatever, and now he's working in some uber-secret unit. Oh, you're really narrowing this down, (laughs) are you? There's a lot of books out there (laughs) There in that genre. There's endless books that fit that genre. (laughs) And then there's the sort of more hard-boiled of that genre, which is the... Jimmy McNulty style yeah. hard bitten cop who's actually a good cop. I'm going to be played by Bruce Willis at some point. Yeah, and a bit um, down and dirty, and they've probably got a bit of a drinking problem and a bit of post traumatic stress, and it's the sort of gritty, yeah. you know, underbelly crime world type thing. Um, I tend to prefer the former. Mm. I don't mind the latter. If you're a fan of the latter, so you like that, um, oh, you know, what's his name? LA Confidential sort of style, yep. you know, all that sort of thing. If you like The Wire, I think you would really like this book. It's right. yeah, The Whites by Richard Price. It's it's good. I'm enjoying it, but I tend to gravitate to the other you type can of you genre. Just clean up your act with the drug abuse. I'd rather be in the wine house. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Do you mind? I'd rather be mixing with the guys in Where's the hot guy? The Where's the hot guy from <laughs> the uh... donuts? Get your stuff together. That's like McNulty, like on the wire. You know, sort of hot for a quick fling, and then just clean yourself up, McNulty. <laughs>
Um, now, oh, that's the other thing I've got to tell you. Hang on, let, just let me check how much time we've got, otherwise I might have to leave a cliffhanger. Oh, this cliff is All really 27 hanging. minutes. Oh, yeah, you've got, um, you've, got, you've got five minutes at least to outline whatever thrilling thing it is you're about to unveil. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Another dust buster? <laughs> a new way with bicarbonate of soda? <laughs> You make a paste of it with vinegar, you can do nearly anything. You know that, don't you? You've raised the bar way too high now. Um, Wicker. Let me tell you about Wicker. No, I'm oh. joking. I'm oh, joking. my God. That's referencing a long-ago episode of the um, Late Show. Anyway, um, I went to see Anything Goes. Ah, uh, yes. And, <laughs> you know, which obviously would be a moment for a show tune if we were in a piano room, but we're not, sadly. Um, anyway, so it's the stage is set. Have you ever seen Anything Goes? No, no I, I haven't. haven't either. So it's a big boat, basically, mm. on stage. And so we go out for interval. I separate from my friends who go outside to have a smoke, and I line up to go to the bathroom. And then the dude, as is always the case, women's bathroom, big long line, the dude comes over and says, ladies, why don't you go to the bathroom over there? There's no line. So I schlep over. We're at the opera house. I schlep over to the other mm. ladies' toilet come out, think, oh, I wonder where my friends are, text them, nobody replies to me. Because <laughs> they've gone to the pub, they're like, thank God we shook her, she keeps making us go to these bloody shows. <laughs> so I start walking back up the stairs to go in and I think, oh, this is tricky because my friend Nadine has the tickets, I don't actually know what door we went in, I wasn't paying any attention when we went in, I don't know what door I'm sitting in, I don't know what row I'm sitting in, and so I'm texting them going, what, what, you know, where are you guys, What's, what row are we in, what am I going to do? Anyway, so I'm sort of looking at my phone waiting for them to reply I walk back into the hall I'm looking at the rows of seats um I'm sort of thinking I think we're about like three or four from the front sort of roughly two-thirds of the way in or whatever so look at my phone hurry up texting them so push my way in the you know ding ding ding's been going yeah. for quite a while schlep my way in sit down in my seat look up no boat full symphony orchestra wrong theater I've gone into the <laughs> room Everybody around. And whose lap were you sitting on at this point? <laughs> I was sitting in an empty seat. Clearly, not my empty seat, though. And so I think everyone around me, because I just, I literally had not looked at the stage because I was too busy looking at the phone and looking at the seats. And so it was literally as I sat down and looked up, <laughs> I think everyone around me heard me go, Jesus Christ! <laughs> and so, but then I could be saw that Lee Sales the other day, swearing like a crazy lady. Well, somebody tweeted me afterwards and said, Did you enjoy the symphony? I was like, no, I did not enjoy the symphony. Anyway, so I quickly, then I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to get trapped in here because they're gonna, the bells have been dinging for so long. So I've quickly hustled out. And then I've run, you know, out the thing. And then I, I'm like, then I was in a complete blind panic thinking, where's anything goes? So I said, run up to this girl and said, I'm it would, really It would have been better if you'd just yelled that while you were in the symphony crowd. Like, you know, where's anything goes? This is a disaster. I seem to have become lost in a boring place. <laughs> so my rollicking came that out. I asked for some assistance from one of the attendants and then I literally, and then I was panicking because my friend Caroline O'Connor is the star of Anything Goes and I'm thinking, I'm going to miss the cutoff. She's going to come on for the start of Act 2 and see that and I have not returned. Because so. she knows, having listened to this podcast presumably, <laughs> that you are a walker. <laughs> like, you're like, is this, uh, you know, prize winning material? Oh, God. So anyway, I sort of scrambled Even if in. it is, I'll st I still might go home. <laughs> I scrambled in in a mad panic, literally as I was about to start and all my friends, the wretches, were. Ah, oh, slow hand clap, oh, that's nice. So obnoxious. Were they aware by this stage that you'd caught a bit of the... No, but they could uh, tell from my like complete demeanour with just hair flying everywhere and shirt untucked that I'd had some sort of a bad experience. <laughs> <laughs> so 
me if I was able to sit down and just think, oh, oh. So anyway, if you happen to be at either the symphony or anything be like this a few mm. weeks ago, yes, yeah, be careful, exactly. Always check the stage, don't look at your phone. <laughs> what, what would have been best, though, is if you just um, thought, wow, this is a really interesting adaptation. <laughs> it's a little stylistic change. <laughs> exactly. Or it would have been funnier almost to go the other way around for some poor person. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Going, boat? <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> What's happening? Right. Um, anything else for us to talk about? <sighs> oh, quite a few things, but I think we can probably, uh, could probably draw a line we'll right there. We'll just perhaps and keep those other little bits for ourselves. Oh, or just... Do another half hour soon, you know, <laughs> when you come up with some more cake, I, I suspect. Good plan. All right, see you later, everyone. Oh, hang on a minute. Oh. We had, um, uh, have we paid tribute to Rosanna, who sent us those beautiful cupcakes? No, we Oh, have, Canberra uh, listener. No, we have not yet. Rosanna, um, we, uh, <laughs> I went to do a, in conversation um, in Canberra, with George Megalogenis, um about his new book, Australia's Second Chance, which I've got to say, like I should have actually mentioned it properly in the podcast, it's um, it's a typical work of Megalogenis genius, really. He's decided to review the entire history of post-European settlement Australia um, by looking at migration patterns and economic changes and kind of like looking wow. at the connections. And it is typically of him... A completely engrossing story. You know, it's um, it tells you a whole bunch of makes a whole bunch of observations and um, puts events in a light that you probably hadn't necessarily ever considered in terms of Australian history. And um, talks about the first um, class of boat people against whom a media war was waged, and it wow. was um, Irish servant girls. Wow. <laughs> in the, yeah, in the early 1800s. Anyway, um, but the best thing about that night, apart from, you know, George being terrific and about 800 people showing up on a freezing cold camera night, was that this um, woman, Rosanna, turned up in, with a, uh, a box of homemade uh, rosemary and um, rhubarb cupcakes that were for us. And you brought them back to Sydney, I did. and I had a couple. I had about nine of them before were, they got to you. But. <laughs> they were very delicious. So thank, so thank you, you very much. That was very nice of you to do that for us. Much appreciated. And thanks for listening. Thank you. <laughs> Bye.